tonight, church. Let's rise and sing this great hymn of praise. Bless the Lord, all my soul. Zach reads that scripture that we've just been singing, okay? Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity, who heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit, who crowns you with steadfast love and mercy, who satisfies you with good so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. Bow with me, please. Lord God, we come before you now. Lord, help us to never, ever forget to give you blessing and honor and glory and power. Why? Because the benefits are so vast. Lord, you give us so much, namely the salvation that comes from the death and burial and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, we just give you praise. We give you thanksgiving. We bless your name today, Lord. We pray that you would help us to do this through the power of your Holy Spirit. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen, amen. Hey, well, um, we were gone last week, and thank you for Daniel and the gang. I, I guess it was the, the, yeah, the whole Mayfield gang helped us and led us in worship, and praise the Lord for that. Thank you so much for all those who helped while Cammie and I were gone. Um, this is a, uh, a connection card in the back of the pew in front of you, so please fill that out. Uh, especially if you are uh, maybe a first or second time guest, we would love to know who you are and how we can minister to you. And on the back, there's prayer requests, there's information about the church. If you want to uh, find out more about that, we'll get in contact with you. So please do that and then put that in the offering plate uh, at the end of the service. The offering plates will be at the exit doors as we as we go out. You know, one of the things, and I know all of you can attest to this as you go uh, throughout the United States or even throughout the world on a, on a vacation, on a trip. Uh, and this just struck me as we were singing in practice this morning. The next song we sing is Holy, Holy, Holy. And the last verse says this, All thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Amen? And no matter where you look, you see the awesome and miraculous creative hand of God. And just for that, and just for that alone, we can give Him praise. Amen. But we give Him praise and we give Him thanks for so much more. So let's give Him praise today.
been our custom the last several weeks to have a time of season of prayer, and we invite you to use these steps as an altar if you so choose. You may choose to stay there in your pew and pray, however you do it. That's between you and God, but this time is just a time to bring your petitions before the Lord, especially those that uh, relate not so much to us personally, but relate to the world in general. You know, how, how God is operating and and His will being done throughout the world, His will being done throughout our nation. And, uh, and, and just pray, obviously, for those lost and dying souls who have not yet received Christ as their personal Savior, okay? Go ahead and be seated and, and, and come to the front if you wish. One of the spiritual disciplines is to meditate on Scripture. Meditate on what God has done for us. And the most supreme thing He's done is given His Son, Jesus Christ, as our sacrifice. So let's meditate on that and give Him praise just now. I cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me. I see his wounds, his hands, his feet. I say Third. And all 
All right, Ephesians chapter 1, if you'll make your way there. C.S. Lewis once talked about how that we praise what we enjoy most. And he made a comment that the balanced minds that he perceived in church life uh, worship God the most because they actually enjoyed him. Uh, the shorter catechism, Westminster says, what's the chief end of man? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. But he said on the flip side, the ones that seem to worship the least amount were the malcontents and discontents. I don't know what category you're in this morning, but the songs that we sang today should have led your heart and your affections to praise God because we belong to him and what he's done to you. So I hope that you're not a malcontent, a discontent. I hope that you are a person that enjoys God. It's not just for the Pentecostals. Come on, folks, right? All right, today we want to talk about worthy of blessing and honor. Subtitle, Let the Praise Begin. I call myself a woodsman. I like to be outdoors. I even like to climb trees. I know that sounds crazy. But I'm, I got a lifeline, and I have a stand I sit in and things like that. But I'm always amazed at the size of the trees in the forest. They can be amazing. And uh, I would love to see the sequoias, uh, the redwoods. Would you not want to see those? And I hope to do that one day. Uh, those trees can be as old as 3,000 years old. They can be 30 feet in diameter and 250 feet tall. It's just massive to think about that. Well, I want to remind you as we begin Ephesians 1, I don't want you to miss the forest for the trees. We use that expression, okay? And I don't want you to miss the trees for the forest. So you see what kind of responsibility I have to open up Ephesians and help you to not fall into either trap, okay? I want you to be able to stand at the base of these mighty redwoods. And there are principles in this text that are unbelievable. There are wonders to behold. We can't wrap our minds around them. And of course, then there's the big picture of the book of Ephesians. So each gigantic tree in this text is a theological wonder to behold. And it's designed to create something within you. And that is for you to respond to our God with praise for his glorious grace. That's the big picture of the book of Ephesians. The big picture is that we have this eternal plan in the mind of the Father that was procured for you through the Son of God and the Spirit of God. And now that you are in Christ, beginning in chapter 4, we will talk about how you're supposed to live it out. So the goal today is to keep the larger sections always before you. For instance, in chapters 1 through 3, we would call that the doctrinal forest, right? It's just rich in doctrine. So I'm going to keep six sections of the first three chapters before you all the time so that you're thinking about the big picture. But at the same time, we want to stand beneath these gigantic redwoods, theological redwoods, for our encouragement. Tony Morita says Paul was a, Paul was a theological thoroughbred. And when you read verses 3 through 14, that's the way we come away with this. I want to remind you before we read, that beginning in verse 3 down through verse 14, that's one sentence in the Greek. I would not encourage any of you students to write paragraphs without more than one period, okay? Uh, you, you don't need to do this in school, but that's what this is in the Greek. It's 202 words. It's a paragraph, and in the Greek it is one sentence. So we need to see how it all fits together. So that when we get done, we have a great grasp of biblical theology and a grasp of the book of Ephesians as a whole. My prayer is that this book will deepen your understanding of the gospel. And it will also magnify the importance of the church body. Okay? So, let's begin reading in verse 3. Are you ready? We're going to read verses 3 through 14. I'm going to preach only verse 3. Okay? You know me well enough to do it. Right? Here we go. Blessed be the God... Did we do that today? I hope you did. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord 
Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing. Play on words. Blessed, blessed us, blessing in the heavenly places. With every spiritual blessing, check this out, in the heavenly places. Every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Beginning in verse 4. It's almost like in the Greek he's going to say, and here is what it looks like. This is what it is. This is the blessings. Here it is, beginning in verse 4. Just as, or better translation, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons, through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. In him we have redemption, through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ." As a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed him, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Notice verse down through the text, 6, 12, and 14. Look at the end of verse 6, beginning of verse 6. To the praise of his glorious grace. Verse 12, so that we might, who were the first to hope in Christ, might be to the praise of his glory. And in verse 14, at the end, to the praise of his glory. Do you see the thematic structure? What this is all about is praise to the glory of God. John Stott calls this section a continuous cascade of praise. In other words, the text oozes with God-centered worship. And I know what a lot of you are thinking because you can't help it. It's the elephant in the room. When you read words like election and predestination, your first thought has to be, or first thought is usually, okay, how's the preacher going to deal with election? How's he going to deal with predestination? Well, we're not dealing with it today, okay? But we are certainly going to touch on those principles because they're in the Word of God. And I am a preacher of the Word of God, not human feelings, not emotion, not Reader's Digest. I'm, I'm a preacher of the Word. And when you deal with the Word of God, you have to hold the tension. And you see it in the text. But please, don't miss the focus of the text as it begins. We certainly will hit those concepts. But the beginning emphasis is that we are called to praise God for these things. Y'all see it? So just to say, well, election, I can't handle that. Predestination, I don't want to deal with that. You are called to praise God because of those things. Don't be fearful of what God has said. Praise me for those things. Right? Y'all don't seem to be as passionate about this as I do. Right? Well, that's okay. All right. The phrase blessed be is going to gain cascading like, crescendo like, as, it, as this praise snowball rolls down the hill. It's just going to continue to build and to mount. And just as he's done this, even as he's done this, even as he has accomplished this. So, what an awesome text. Now, one heading for verses 3 through 14. And that heading is Roman numeral 1 in your outline. God is to be blessed. Let's make this simple. Why? Because he is the one who blesses. God is to be blessed because he is the one who blesses. What is Paul's first concern? It is that the Lord be blessed and praised for this glorious, eternal plan that he has for his people. So the first section is what we would call very Christ-centered. Jesus is called Lord in our passage. This means that the central point of all the blessing is a celebration 
of the Lordship of Jesus Christ when God is going to bring the entire creation under his sovereign reign. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. Verse 10, as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. Oh, during the coronavirus. Don't you long for God to unite all things in the future under him. So it's a fountain of blessing to us in Christ Jesus the Lord. And then Paul's going to enumerate the blessings beginning in verse 4. So we call this a doxology. If you've ever read through the scripture, and I hope you have, Paul will introduce theological themes and he'll get to soaring and all of a sudden he'll jump into praise and doxology. Kind of like uh, Romans 9 through 11. And he gets to verse 11, chapter 11. He says, and praise to God whose ways are unsearchable. There's no way we can ever fathom his ways. And he begins to praise the Lord. But in Ephesians, he starts on a doxological, uh, doxology frame of mind where he is praising the Lord. He can't wait to burst forth in praise to God. Why? Because of the things he's going to enumerate for us. Did you notice this is an exaltation of the triune God? Did you notice that we have in this text, in verses 4 through 6, you have God the Father electing us and predestinating us. In verses 7 through 12, you have the Son of God redeeming us. And then in verses 13 through 14, you have the Holy Spirit sealing us. You see the Trinitarian view of our God, for He is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So after each Trinitarian section, I don't know if you saw this, but after verse 6, 12, and 14, we have that same expression, praise to God for His glorious grace. So we ought to praise God the Father, ooh, God the Son. You thought the rapture took place, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So what is the resounding refrain throughout the paragraph? Praise for his glorious grace. So notice how it breaks down nicely. Praise God for every spiritual blessing. Praise God for election. Praise God for redemption and forgiveness through Christ. Praise God for the eternal plan in Christ. Praise God for sealing us with his Holy Spirit and giving us an eternal inheritance. Even Baptists should be able to sing about those things. We ought to praise God for them. So under the heading, God is to be blessed because he is the one who blesses. Let's tackle verse 3. First, let the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ be blessed. Notice the construction. Okay, Let him be blessed. When you see that phrase, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, we are reminded that truth should always elicit praise from us. We don't need to just consume and absorb truth like a sponge, but it not move us to worship. So in other words, theology should lead to doxology. When we hear truth about our God, it should lead us to praise Him. Now that word blessed is important. It's the Hebrew word baruch. How many of you have ever heard that before? I didn't think you had, all right? But that Hebrew word baruch is so vitally important, and it finds its root, of course, in the Hebrew when you're in the Old Testament. Let me, allow me to show you a couple times where we see the word uh, hit the pages of Scripture so that you understand how important it is. Chapter 14 of Genesis. Don't turn, just listen. This is in the context of Melchizedek. Early on in the book of Genesis, chapter 14, verse 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine. He was priest of God Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram by God most high, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be God most high, who has delivered your enemies into your hand. So, a couple things to think about. God is the only one that is, in that technical sense of the word, blessed in the word of God. The blessing goes to him. Why? Because of some kind of incredible deliverance that has taken place. If you flip over to chapter 24 of Genesis, you will find... And beginning in verse 26, you know the context, Isaac needs a wife. All right, listen. The man bowed his head and worshiped the Lord and said, Blessed be the Lord, the God of my master Abraham, who has not forsaken his steadfast love and his faithfulness toward my master. So we, we began to see this refrain of blessed be the Lord. And if you take the word of God and go over to First Chronicles 29, listen to David in verse 10. 
Therefore David blessed the Lord in the presence of all the assembly. Baruch is the word. Blessed the Lord. And then when you get over to the Psalter, which is the book of Psalms, what do you find? Well, in, in chapter 28, chapter 28, verse 6, the Bible says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. Chapter 31, verse 1, I'm sorry, 31, 21. Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was besieged in the city. So I hope you see that that word is important. Blessed be the Lord. Well, as time goes by, that word becomes the central focus of worship unto God. You understand, it, it starts to become the phrase, blessed be God. Blessed to the Lord our God. Arnold says, the commentator in the Zondervan commentary on Ephesians, he says this, in fact, there was a prescribed set of prayers for all Jews to pray every morning and every evening called 18 benedictions. And each one would contain the expression, blessed are you, Lord. Okay? Now, what do you know about uh, blessed in Ephesians? It's not a Hebrew word. Okay? It's written in Greek. So it comes over from Hebrew, Baruch, and it's eulogetos. Eula, what's that sample? Eulogy, right? So in that sense, the New Testament word, according to the exegetical key to the New Testament, is translated worthy of blessing. So in the New Testament, it is only used of God. Whereas in the Old Testament, there's like, blessed be Abraham for this, that, and the other. In the New Testament, blessed is only used for God. So the idea is to speak well of him. The idea is to exalt. You know what that means? To rejoice. Baptist, we should rejoice in our God. The word exalt is in there. It means to raise him up. To put him in that place where he rightfully deserves. It means to adore him. Luther, the reformer, said God is praised in himself. Y'all do realize that God would have been praised for all eternity had he never created one man or one creation. He was self-sufficient in himself. He needs nothing. He praises himself. That's the God that we serve. And Luther goes on to say, but we pray here that he may be praised among us. God is praised in himself, but we pray that he would be praised among us. And that's exactly what we should be doing as the people of God. We are benefactors of his glorious blessings. And we need to bless the giver for it. There's a wide range of blessings that are going to be given. Beginning in verse 4. Think about it. Adoption. Election. Adoption. God's will. His grace. Redemption. Wisdom. The mystery. And the consummation of all things. We should be people who are praising God for it. So right out of the gate, after a Christ-centered greeting, Paul burst forth with blessing to Almighty God. Notice the phrase, God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, the Hebrews would have been used to saying, blessed be the God of Israel. Blessed is the Lord God of Israel. Okay, That's a common expression. But what does Paul do? He makes it Christian, christo Centric. Why? Because he puts Lord Jesus. Okay? Folks, that's important. We can't bump over the scripture and just say, well, uh, the blessed, the blessed Baruch, uh, the blessed eulogy is not just to the God of Israel. He's, he definitively gives us who our God is. He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And Paul will use this in 2 Corinthians, and Peter will use it as well. Why is it stated that he is that God is the God of our Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus is God, right? That's what the Bible teaches. So how does this work? Well, I think the reference to God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, what's that one mean? He he's God of Christ and he's the Father of Christ. That's what that construction would mean. Why is it saying that? Because Jesus, I think that particular frame of reference, God 
when Jesus would have said, you are my God, is in reference touching his humanity. When the Son of God condescended from heaven and came to this earth, he submitted to his Father's will, and he also called him his God. And when you get to Father, I think that touches on the deity of Christ. Y'all do realize that Jesus was fully God from all eternity, and he becomes man. He entered this world as he took on human flesh. So I think both references are touching on those two incredible principles of, of the, the humanity of the Son of God and the deity of the Son of God. You understand that the Father is eternally the Father. And the Son of God is eternally the Son of God. There's never been a time when Jesus did not exist as the Son of God. He became Jesus the man, as he was born on earth. But for all eternity, we've got God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So the Father has eternally been the Father, and the Son has eternally been the Son. And please note this. It is solely through God's beloved Son that the believers have access to the Father. In other words, you cannot ever enjoy any of these benefits unless you know Christ. You see how strong it is. You see how important it is for us to find out what the Bible says. Now look, we live in America. We all love the generic use of the term God. But you understand God can be an idol. Y'all do realize that, right? We, we need to understand something. Americans will say, most Americans when they say God bless America, they have no idea what they're saying. This could be the Muslim God Allah. This could be a pantheon of gods. Why don't we start putting out the signs that say, May the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ bless America. When you get specific, folks, listen. God language is safe. Jesus Christ language is not safe. Okay? That's why the world won't use... Why do you think the media hates for us to say that Jesus is the only way to heaven? Because it's exclusive. And we're, God has defined himself in this text. He is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. The God that we are called to worship and offer our prayers to and trust our souls to is none other than the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Doesn't that have huge implications for our culture? You better know the God you serve, ladies and gentlemen. You better know right now the God you serve. There is only one God, and He's the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. There's a lot of God talk and there are a lot of tragedies in this world. COVID-19 situations bring out a lot of God talk. But unless we're throwing around the name of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, just to merely throw out the name God is an idol. We're dealing with the biblical God. And once you get specific and call him Jesus, then in our culture, Katie, bar the door. Right? You won't be accepted. But unless we're talking about the triune God of the Bible, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're dealing with with an idol okay so what we're doing today in this worship service is all to the praise of the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ he is our God and there is no other God our praise to him should be a response to him for all that he has done number two celebrate the reason for the outburst of blessing to God and what's the reason in this text Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Wow. What is it to be blessed? Now that's a huge subject, isn't it? You had a home you slept in last night. In a bed, in your home last night. There are a lot of people in this world who didn't. Most of you probably ate something when you got up this morning. That's not true for a lot of people in this world. They didn't have anything to eat. <clears throat> and certainly we think those things are blessings. You probably didn't come on horseback to church today. You probably drove or rode in the car. There are so many blessings that we think about. Think about the old song. Count your many blessings. Name them one by one. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. Count your many blessings. Yeah, we get that, right? Now, the air that you breathe is a blessing from God. The fact that you're sitting there cognitively not thinking about the fact that your lungs and your heart are working as they should, wow, that's something that 
By the way, that would not happen unless you were sustained by the Father. Right? But the fact of the matter is we don't think about these things. We don't think about the fact that to have a full stomach is to be blessed by the Lord. Well, Paul has a different perspective when it comes to the blessings he's speaking of. He says God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. So this introduces us to the blessings of a different stripe. This is not just the run of the mill, we're blessed to live in the United States of America. I'm not downplaying the fact that we are blessed. But every spiritual provision, as the text says, has been given to us by our Father. Notice how exclusive that is. How comprehensive it is. That God has given us how many? Every. So, scholars are going to point out that there is an inclusio here. You say, what in the world? That just simply means brackets. So, verse 3 introduces the spiritual blessings. How does verse 14 end? That you've been sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. So, the bracketing helps us kind of think about what the spiritual blessings would be. And ultimately what it is, is that Christ Jesus purchased these blessings for you himself. However, the Holy Spirit of God is the one that gives you these spiritual blessings. Why? Because he lives in us. So these spiritual blessings are given to us by the Holy Spirit of God, but they're purchased by Jesus Christ. Now it's, it's comprehensive, is it not? It does not say, I'm going to give you 50% blessing now and 50% later down the line. As a matter of fact, people want you to think that, well, if you just do pretty good for a while, I'll give you 25% blessing. If you pray for the second blessing, I'll give you 75%. That's not what the text says. The text says every spiritual blessing, everything you need for life and godliness, 2 Peter chapter 1, has been given to you by our God. You lack if you're saved today, you lack nothing. Every spiritual blessing. He's held no good thing back from you for your salvation or your future sanctification and glorification. If all we're looking for is bigger houses, nicer cars, etc., and you think that's the ground of spiritual blessings, then I feel sorry for you this morning. You know why? Because everything you've got is going to burn up. You're not going to take it with you. Job, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I will return. You can't take anything with you, right? Some of you folks who have so much money packed up in the bank, when you die, your kids are going to waste every bit of it. Just think about that for a moment. That's just the reality. You can't take it with you. Aren't you thankful for 1 Peter chapter 1? He's given us an inheritance that is incorruptible, undefiled, and that will not fade away. Think about this for a moment. So... The spiritual blessings are not physical things that's going to burn up. Furthermore, we take as much care as we can of these bodies, but you do know it's going to die too. That's why God's going to resurrect and give you a new one, right? So everything that we have. Now, again, this has a radical theological ramification to your life, doesn't it? Because it's so easy to get focused on the physical, the tangible things. The things we have for a moment and lose the next. It's really easy to focus on the 401ks and the land that we have and the houses that we have. But the fact is, if you have every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus, it makes a difference how you feel on Monday morning. When you reflect on the blessings of God in Christ Jesus, that can't be taken. The world may strip us of our freedom, bind us in its chains. Help may leave my body. And be replaced with pain. But they can't take the spiritual blessings out of my life. Right? We know these things. Does it make a difference? Does it deliver you from the good enough syndrome? I'd rather say good enough. Because we love the good enough syndrome around. Are we, are we really good enough? The Bible says because of Jesus, if you're in him, every spiritual blessing has been given to you. Unbelievable. And Paul's going to begin to enumerate those in verse 4. So today, are you in a difficult spot? Are you? How about you wives here? Is it difficult to live with that cantankerous slug that you call your husband? 
wives, husbands, is it difficult? Are you struggling? Are you in a hard, difficult place? Is your job just sucking the very life out of you? Do you have wayward kids? Boy, we could all stop and we either know someone or we have them, don't we? Do you have huge decisions to make in life? Don't you realize that God has given you everything you need to overcome? Hallelujah! Everything. 2 Peter chapter 1. God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. Everything has been given to us. Do you have a certain thorn in the flesh? Do you have a certain temptation that you're giving into over and over and over again? And the lie of the enemy is, you'll never change. Don't believe it. Every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus has been given to you. God has given you every spiritual blessing you need to overcome. So in terms of the things of the Spirit, we are wealthy beyond measure. Do you know your spiritual wealth? Do you know how rich you are in Christ? All right, number three. Recognize the realms of our spiritual blessings in Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now, so we're talking about the realms of the gifts. Now, is this thinking of heaven as a locale? Well, it can be. Because we know that heaven is the locker that holds our eternal inheritance. It's, our inheritance is reserved in heaven for us. It's not heaven. Heaven's just a locker that holds it. And we could talk about what that inheritance is. But I guarantee you, when you see Jesus face to face, that's all that's going to matter. Right? We shall see him as he is and shall be like him. But there's more to this than just the location of heaven. I think that terminology, heavenly places, or in the heavenlies, is only used in Ephesians. And so it's richer and deeper than just a mere location. I think it is speaking of the already and the not yet. Do you know how rich you are in Christ right now? Sitting in your pew? It's not just the consummation of the age. It's, it's talking about right now. Don't you realize that when Jesus Christ conquered the grave, that Jesus through his life, death, burial, and resurrection actually inaugurated the last days? Immediately upon his resurrection. The embryonic stages of the church. You're living in the last days. We are right now. So how are we blessed with every spiritual blessing in the heavenlies? By God's Spirit, through the Lord Jesus Christ, He's made you a partaker of an eternal inheritance that's yours now, and it's going to be yours in the future. Amazing. Our lives are blessed in such a more incredible way than merely tangible, physical, and mundane because you have been raised with Christ. That's your position. We have been partakers of the age. We've been made partakers of the age to come. Now, did you know that earthly, in its very translation, is kind of mundane, isn't it? But if you're in Christ Jesus, there's nothing mundane about who you are. Are y'all understanding this? If you qualify as having spiritual blessings in the heavenly places, then there's nothing mundane about that. There's something that is otherworldly about our lives if you belong to Christ. And so, at the root of Paul's celebration is the idea that by virtue of Jesus, we are elevated to the heavenly realms. How many of you knew that you occupy the place where Christ is now enthroned right now? Now, some of you are getting kind of wigged out. But chapter 2, verse 6. Flip ahead. We're going to get there by next year. Here's what it says. Verse 6. And he raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Woo! Right? That's your position right now. Even though you're in an earthly body, spiritually speaking, you are seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Although you're in a temporary body, we live spiritually in the heavenly realms with Christ. We need to immerse ourselves in this truth and celebrate it, don't we? I realize that temporary blessings are a blessing, right? When you read Deuteronomy chapter 28, it talks about fruitful wombs. God bless us with those. I pray God would bless our church with fruitful wombs. 
Some of you ladies are crawling under the pew because you don't want a fruitful womb anymore because you've had four, have five or six more, right? I'm 50, I can tell you that, right? I've had my four. Fruitful wombs is what the blessing was. How about flourishing crops? You know, your crops need to flourish because you've got to bring them and give them to the preacher. I get it, right? How about abundant flocks, bread in every basket, prosperity, and even the Israelites were an influence to other people in the world. We, wanna, we want these blessings, don't we? Spurgeon was preaching a sermon once, and he said, He that gives us heaven will surely give us all that is needful on, a road, on the road thither. And we shall have enough spending money on the road to glory. For he who has guaranteed to bring us there will not starve us along the way. I like that. And there's a lot of truth to that particular principle, but no, make no mistake about it. If you're going to catch the, the strength of this text, you need to know that these are new covenant spiritual blessings. You can lose all those tangible things, but you can't lose these spiritual blessings. We taste the gifts of the age to come. Think about this when we partake of the Lord's Supper. We don't believe that it is the body and blood of Christ, transubstantiation, we don't believe it, that he's present, and when you partake of it, it becomes the, the body and blood of Christ. Consubstantiation. We believe that is symbolic of the life, death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. However, when we partake of the Lord's Supper, we all actually do think about the heavenly food that we're going to eat by faith one day in the age to come. Right? The world doesn't understand a Lord's Supper, but Jesus said as often as you proclaim this, you proclaim it, you proclaim his death, until he comes again. Look at this last expression. It's going to be Paul's biggest string on his guitar. As one commentator said, Christ is the golden string on which all the pearls in this doxology are strung. And listen to it at verse 3. Uh, actually, the phrase is last. In Christ, in the Greek, is last. Who has blessed us in Christ. So they're heavenly Blessings, but how do we get them? Say it. In Christ. Think about this. These spiritual blessings can only become ours in Christ. Is this not a call today for you to be saved? Clear call of the gospel. No spiritual blessings in the heavenly places without being in Christ Jesus. And again, that, that is Paul's favorite string on his guitar. In Christ, because folks, do you understand everything hinges on that? In Christ, think about this. Christ alone is our mediator. He's the only one uh, that could mediate the holiness of God, which he is, and the sinfulness of man, and bring us together. When you're on trial before God, you have no chance, unless you have an advocate that comes in and pleads your case. Jesus Christ is the mediator, the only one between God and man. Hebrews says Christ alone is the once for all sacrifice for our sins. Think about this, folks. No more sacrifices need to be made. They can't be made. Jesus paid it all, and all to him I owe. Christ is alone the covenant head. He, he alone established the new covenant. Christ alone is the only sacrifice for our sins. Christ alone is our righteousness. Christ alone is wisdom from God and our justification. Every blessing Paul has to, gives us has to be in Christ or they do not exist. There are no blessings spiritually outside of Christ. What does it mean to be in Christ this morning? Do you, do you sense that? By the way, is this letter written to you? We assume it, but you got to be a saint and a faithful right? And a saint's not a Catholic saint that we bow down and do idol worship to. A saint is not something you evolve into. Remember the old southern slang? You're either a saint or you ain't, right? You might be a bad one. I get it. You may be a disobedient one, but if you're in Christ, you are a saint, okay? So think about this for a moment. We have an exhaustive term and we see that he alone is the source, Jesus Christ, of our salvation. And please don't forget the heart of the verse. The heart of everything in verse 3 is worship and praise. It's very much gloriously God-centered. So there's no blessings whatsoever 
unless you are in Christ Jesus. So he wants it to be a stimulus so that we respond like he does in giving praise to God. Have you ever sat in the auditorium and thought, why, why am I the only one singing? What, in my circle of people around me, why am I the only one getting excited about this? Because you praise what you enjoy most. I'm not casting that off and blaming you for being a malcontent or discontent. But I'm telling you, folks, based on how you've been blessed by God, if you're in Christ, you ought to open your mouth and sing. David said, all that is within me. And we come into church sometimes, you're not in your mind. It's, it's at home. Or your mind is at the workplace. Or your mind somewhere else. How about your affections? You know, it's almost like, Brother David, just try your best to move me. Just, just try your best to, to make me sing. Right? That's kind of our attitude. On the first note of the first word, the people of God ought to open their mouths and bless God. What's wrong with us? We're consumed by the great United States of America. We are so comfortable in our setting. We have 99% more than anybody else in the world has. You do realize that, right? And so we're in a pleasure culture. We seek pleasure all over the place, don't we? And we get it all over the place. What happened yesterday? Don't look at me so spiritual. We kicked the ball off for college football. I know some teams played before that, but it wasn't Georgia, so it didn't matter, right? I mean, the fact of the matter is, we praise what we enjoy. I mean, Ozark, what are you guys? Four and one? Yeah. yeah. That's our team, man. We praise our team. Why? Because we enjoy them. How about God? Do you enjoy him? That football is going to be over one day. Nobody's going to be Shaquan Barkley. Not at Ozark. I'm just telling you. Nobody's going to be in Ozark LeBron James. I'm just telling you. It, you might be one out of two million that make it. But you will live your life on earth for Christ. Or not. And he's not going to go away. Right? Are y'all getting this? We praise what we enjoy most. And so we, we take those words. What's the chief end of man? To glorify God and... Yeah, we throw that out, but then when we look at our lives, we're like, oh, guilty. We, we do enjoy. We, we praise those things that we enjoy. Again, C.S. Lewis once said, all enjoyment spontaneously overflows in praise. Check that out. Yeah, I know that popping thing's getting me too, but listen. Listen to this again. All enjoyment spontaneously overflows in praise. And you know this is true. It's all over our world. Whatever people enjoy most, they praise it. And they'll give a bunch of money toward it too. That's another sermon, right? It is, but they will. Do you enjoy the true and living God? You ought not be embarrassed about enjoying the God of eternity. You ought not worry about what the person next to you is doing in a worship service. Because the fact of the matter is, God knows your heart. He, he knows what you praise most. He knows what you value most in life. Well, if you enjoy the true and living God, if you do, then you can't help but praise Him. Amen? All right, to God be the glory. Praise the name of the Lord. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you. Lord, I need to hear that about spiritual blessings because, Father, we're so earthly and we think so temporal. Lord, help us. James says life is a vapor. It's here for a moment and gone the next. The brevity of life is so ever before us, the uncertainty of life. Father, just to think back what America was six months ago and where it is today. Oh, Father, remind us that not only do you control all things, but you alone are to be blessed by your people. God, help us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Every spiritual blessing can be yours if you are in Christ Jesus. And what does the Bible say about that? The Bible says, if you will confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus... 
and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Whosoever shall call upon the name. Now, there's a lot in that, right? You've got to know the name of the one you're calling in. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Would you do that? Would you trust Christ? All right, God bless you. I'll be in the hallway as you leave to greet you. Brother David, we're glad to have you back. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Later on in uh, verse 8, we'll be talking about the mystery of God's will. Pray for me this week as I uh, contemplate the mystery of a church sound system and try to figure out that, that pop, and we'll hopefully have that fixed next, uh, next week. So really, seriously, pray. pray. It's, those, there's a thousand things it could be, and so pray for us as we try to track that down. Let's, uh, let's as we dismiss, uh, give, do exactly what our pastor uh, says the Lord has commanded us to do. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Let's stand together. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Bless the Lord, O oh my soul. Oh, bless the Lord, O oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. God bless. Have a wonderful week.